Jesus said there was a man who built a block of flats. Luxury flats. Expensive flats. Beautiful flats. Fashionable flats. And let them out to tenants. Well-bred tenants. Respectable tenants. People like you. And people like me. And then he went abroad to look at his investments. The tenants saw their chance. Old money bags is gone, they said. He doesn't need our rent, they said. His pocket's lined with silk, they said. We can't afford the rent, they said. Only two cars. And a holiday home. Fifty grand. And a private jet. Life's not fair, they said. We won't pay the rent. Rent day came. No, no rent. rent. The estate agent wrote. No, no rent. And wrote. No, no rent. And threatened. No, no rent. And at last. No, no rent. Came round. No, no rent. To collect. No, no rent. So they seized him. Beat him. Struck him. Spat on him. Jeered him. Kicked him. And sent him. Away with. No, no rent. rent. So the rich man sent. Another estate agent. To collect. No, no rent. His rent. No, no rent. To collect. No, no rent. His rent. No, no rent. So they seized him. Beat him. Struck him. Spat on him. Jeered him. Kicked him. Killed him. And paid. No, no rent. So the rich man sent. Another estate agent. To collect. No, no rent. His rent. No, no rent. But alas, he went. The way of the other agent. So the rich man sent. His son. His, his son. son. They will respect my son, he said. He's heir. No, no rent. So they seized him. Beat him. Struck him. Spat on him. Jeered him. Kicked him. Killed him. And paid no, no rent. So the rich man came. No, no, no rent. And killed them. And found new tenants. Well, with a modern-day version of the uh, parable we're going to be looking at uh, this morning, but um, before we do that, we're going to have uh, some more time for prayer. Uh, we've had prayers of thanksgiving this morning, we've had prayers of confession, and we're now going to have prayers of what we call intercession, asking God for those to help those in need. And two people are going to come and lead those prayers, Elizabeth and, uh, and James, if you'd like to come forward. Dear Father, we pray for those who have no harvest to celebrate, who are in need of food and shelter. We pray particularly for the people of Syria who continue to suffer so much, the two million refugees who have fled the country and are now hungry and homeless, those who remain in areas of conflict without food and fearing for their lives, the many Christians who have been victimised. We pray for all the aid workers trying to help them and for international leaders and politicians that you would help them find a peaceful solution to the crisis. May they know your love and find hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear Father, we pray for the work of Sharing Life Trust who will be using the gifts of food that we have brought this morning to help those in need who can't provide for themselves. We pray for the Christians involved with this work and the other ways in which they seek to help people such as offering various counselling services. May those who receive their help see the love of Jesus Christ in action and turn to him. We pray for those in our own church who are suffering from illness, worry or grief. We pray for those receiving ongoing treatment that it would be effective.
for those who are missing loved ones, that you will comfort them, and for those who are troubled by difficult circumstances, that you will give them hope for the future and a reassurance of your love. Give us all a greater sense of compassion in this needy world, a greater desire to help, help and tackle injustice, and a greater willingness to share the resources that you have given us. Amen. And Lord, as we bring you our offerings now, we do pray that you would help us to use them wisely. Help us to use them so that others may know they're the love that you bring in Jesus Christ. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, we're going to have our reading now, uh, which Scarlett is going to bring to us from Mark 12. Uh, The reading today is from Mark, chapter 12, verse 1 to 12. Jesus then began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a pit for the wine press, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. But they seized him, beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent another servant to them. They struck this man on the head and treated him shamefully. He sent still another, and that one they killed. He sent many others. Some of them they beat, others they killed. He had one left to send, a son whom he loved. He sent him last of all, saying, They will respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him, and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to the others. Haven't you read this passage of scripture? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvellous in our eyes. Then the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders looked for a way to arrest him because they knew he had spoken a parable against them. But they were afraid of the crowd so they left him and went away. Now, does anybody know what um, this uh, little contraption is? Does anybody want to guess what that, that might be? The younger guys down here? Okay, sorry, Matt. A blender? Good, good guess. Not quite, though. Um, any other guesses? Over here, yeah? A bread maker. Interesting loaves of bread might come out of that. But, um, yeah, could be, I guess, yeah. Sorry, the back there. Yeah, was it Jake? Coffee machine. It looks a bit like a coffee machine, doesn't it? But um, it's not actually a coffee machine. A juicer. It's actually a juicer, yes. Yeah, I guess the clue is in this thing at the top. Um, it's never actually been used. It's a present, which um, we're hoping to use um, very shortly. Um, but let me, if I was to tell you, look, I'm going to give you this for free. It's a nice juicer. I'm going to give you um, a whole load of apples, um, sufficient apples, to be able to make, say, a hundred of these cartons of apple juice. Now, I'm saying this is all yours. Um, you can do with it all you want. Um, the only thing is, um, if I could have of those hundred, you can have 90 of those. If I could just have, say, 10 cartons of apple juice. Now, would you say that's a good deal? What do you think? Is that a good deal? Um, it's a pretty good deal, isn't it? After all, you're getting a huge lot for nothing. Um, I get a few back. But um, what are you going to do when you sort of make all this juice and then you have a big party, you invite a few friends around and um, you offer them your, your new apple juice, fresh apple juice and they say to you, this is brilliant, I never tasted anything better. Where, where did you get this from? 
what are you going to say? Are you going to say, I sort of just came across it by chance, really. Um, yeah, I don't know quite where it came from, but um, do you like the juice? Harvest reminds us that all we have comes from God. He's given us it for free. And so it prompts us to acknowledge him as the giver of all good things and to recognise our obligation to him. Now the passage that um, Scarlett read for us is, uh, is a parable that Jesus told. You know, Jesus told many parables. Um, he often used them to, to illustrate a, a certain point. And so all the things, all the characters in this parable, this story, symbolise real people and real things. So we're going to take a little, a little look this morning at what this is all about. What are these things that Jesus is talking about here? What is the message he's trying to, to tell us? Now, if you look in uh, your uh, orders of service, you'll have to do the reading there, so do please uh, refer to that. And the um, first person we come across in this parable is a man, a man who planted a vineyard. So he's the owner of the vineyard. He's the one who does all the hard work. He plants the vineyard. He, he makes it secure. He prepares the area where the grapes are going to be pressed to make juice that is going to be used to make wine. And then he gives it to some farmers to use and to take care of it. And he leaves it to them and says, I'm off, off now. Here you are. Look after it. Now, who is, who is this man? Who's, anybody want to say who this, this man is, you guys down here? Who do you think that man represents? The man who planted the vineyard. Any ideas? No? Older ones? God. That is God. God the Father. He's the one who planted the vineyard. So what is the vineyard, though? Well, at one level, it represents the world and everything in it that we've been looking at this morning. God made the world. He placed everything in it. That includes the, the different types of landscape, the seas, the mountains, the, the deserts, the tropical rainforests. It includes all the resources. You know, the gold that uh, comes from South Africa that Grant was talking about, all those foods, um, the minerals that have come out of the ground. It includes the living creatures, the animals, the birds, the, the fish, and of course, people. And he gave people the ability to use these resources to, to, to have food, to have shelter, to enjoy, to make the most of. Now that means, in broad terms, everything is, is either an animal, uh, a mineral, or a vegetable. Loosely speaking, I'm sure you'll know that if you've played the game 20 Questions. How many of you guys know the game 20 Questions? Um, yeah, quite a few. Um, basically, if somebody thinks of an object, you tell the other players whether it's more like an animal, mineral, or vegetable, and they have to guess in 20 questions using answers that are only yes or no. So let's have a quick go of that, shall we? Um, 20 questions. You've got 20 questions between you. I've thought of an object already. It is um, animal and mineral. Okay? That's animal and mineral. Who's going to ask the first question? Here's the microphone. Um, you young guys down here, anybody want to ask the first question? Got to try and narrow it down. Got 20 questions to get it. Off you go. Just put your hand up. First question. Any idea? Probably easier to narrow it down rather than just take a wild guess. But um, yeah, go for it. Can you eat it? No, you can't eat it. Good question. No, it's not food. There's nothing over there. Next question. Yes, Isabel. No, it doesn't live in the sea. No. Yes. You can wear it. Good question. So that's uh, three questions and you're doing well already. 
Is it, did I hear somebody hear it? No. Not really, no. Oh, yes, you're doing very well. Five questions, this is going quickly. Yes, I am wearing one. It is around my waist. It is a leather belt. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant, very good. Now, that is uh, animal and mineral because the animal uh, is leather, comes from a cow. Um, it's also got metal on it, um, which comes from, from under the ground. So, um, an idea that everything we have comes in some way from what God has given us. So, God made the world, He made everything in it, and that means your home, your belongings, your body, they're all given to you by God to use them to live a life that is pleasing to you. Now, he is still the owner of these things because he's given, to us to, given us, them us for free. Um, it doesn't just say this is yours, that's it. He expects us to use them uh, to glorify him. Now, you might say, well, actually, no, they're not from God. I, I earned what I have. I earned this belt. You know, I've got a job. I paid money for it. But when you think, well, how did you get that job? And you say, well, I... I Worked hard to get qualifications, to, uh, to apply for it, and they went through a whole interview process and they gave me the job. But then, where did you get the mind from with the ability to work hard to pass those exams, to get the qualifications? Because everything eventually comes down to God. And if he's given us that stuff, then he can also just as easily take it away. So the vineyard represents the world and everything in it. Harvest is about thanking God for all he has given us. But at another level, the, the vineyard represents God's kingdom. Now, you might know that God's kingdom is not a, a physical place at this time. It's, um, it's a spiritual thing. It's basically a people who belong to God. People who've said, I want God to reign over me. I want God to be my king. So, it's the benefits you enjoy if you have a relationship with the owner of the vineyard. I'll give you an example of that. If I have, um, if the Queen is a good friend of mine, um, and she says, look, Neil, whatever you want, just come down to Buckingham Palace. Uh, uh, use the facilities, so we've got a good lawn out the back, you can kick a ball around, or you can invite your friends around for a tea party. Um, just make the most of it. You know, if you're a friend of mine, uh, there's benefits to be had from knowing the Queen. Now, of course, all the um, privileges of knowing God, of having a relationship with him, are not just the things of this world, they're much more special than that. To know God is to know his love, his peace, his strength, his joy, his protection. Here we read here, God has built a wall around the vineyard to protect us. He's built a watchtower. He gives us protection. And to have a special relationship with him is like to be a part of him. Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So that's a vineyard, it's, it's a world, but it's also God's kingdom. So who are these tenants then? Who do you reckon these are? Well, do you younger guys know what a tenant is? A tenant is somebody um, who doesn't own the land or the property. Uh, they rent it. So uh, a bit like an allotment. If you go down to Harrowell, you'll find a, a load of allotments. Anybody here have an allotment down at Harrowell? Um, no, you've probably all got your and gardens for the vegetable patches. But there are a load of allotments down there where people um, don't own the land, they pay rent, but they grow vegetables and things, and they pay some of that uh, rent to 
the local council, whoever owns it. Now, that, what is going on here is exactly the same, except instead of paying rents, um, the tenants are meant to give some of the fruit, some of the food that they have grown in this vineyard. Now, the trouble is, what happens here is they don't pay. They don't pay. Now, if, you, if you're using somebody else's land and you don't pay rent, you are stealing. You're breaking the law. You're taking what is not yours. Uh, you're saying, I know the land doesn't belong to me, and I already keep most of it for myself, but I want all of it. I'm not happy with 90%. I want the whole lot for me. So who are these tenants then that um, Jesus is getting at here? Well, they're all those who think, my body, my life, my home, my money is all mine. I don't owe anybody anything. I'm not going to give anybody anything. And that is basically you and me when we decide not to obey God. When we take all the good things that he's given us, our food, our homes, our, our talents, and we just use them for our own selfish pleasure. We don't use them to serve God. So those are the tenants. Who else do we have in this parable? But we also have the servants. The servants who the owner sends to the tenants. Now who are these guys? Well, these are the people that God sends to give his people a message. These are messengers, if you like. In the Old Testament, um, do you know what these messengers were called in the Old Testament, the younger guys? The Old Testament messengers, what were they called? Who went to give a message from God. They said, this is the word of the Lord. Anybody want to go? Yes, go for it, Eliza. The disciples were Jesus' followers in the New Testament. That's just a good guess. Um, but in the Old Testament, can you, can you remember? Yes, go for it, Aaron. Prophets, exactly, prophets were God's messengers. Um, now, prophet wasn't a particularly um, sought-after career in those days. It was quite a highly dangerous thing to do. Uh, people were called by God to be a messenger. They tended to um, not exactly leap at the chance. Uh, do you remember Jonah? I'm sure you studied Jonah. He was a prophet. And uh, God told him, look, go to this wicked city of Nineveh and tell them uh, they're all disobeying me. If they carry on like that, being wicked, um, I will come and destroy them. And what did Jonah do? One guy against 120,000. He said, I'm not doing this, I'm running away. Um, but God caught up with him at the end of the day. And there's Jeremiah, another one who felt really lonely. He had to go around again telling people that they would be judged if they carried on doing what they were doing. And uh, they ridiculed him, they mocked him, um, and he became quite depressed. And there's John the Baptist. Remember John the Baptist, again a prophet? who uh, ended up telling Herod that uh, he was committing adultery and uh, was beheaded. So it's not a great thing to be a messenger of God, but amazingly enough, God sends these people who are very precious to him, who he loves. He sends them to do dangerous tasks, and they end up getting beaten or killed. And he feels their loss. He feels their loss. But most precious of all was his son. And any guesses who this... Uh, this son is in the parable, the son of the owner. Anybody want to guess who that is? Go on, go for it. No, you'll want to. What is the answer to everything? <laughs> Jesus, that's right, it's Jesus. Jesus is the son, a son whom the owner loved. Remember what God said when Jesus was baptised? When the Holy Spirit descended like a dove? A voice from heaven was heard, this is my son whom I love. 
With him I am well pleased. Surely the tenants will respect the son of the owner of the vineyard. Well, we have to be careful here that we don't read into this that God was somehow naive in thinking that if he sent Jesus, that he wouldn't be killed. That was part of God's plan. That was his mission. He came to die for us so we could be forgiven. But it's more a comment on just how low people had sunk that they would attack the Son of God himself. Surely human beings would respect the God of the universe, the one to whom they owe everything that they have. But if you think about it, actually it's not that surprising at all. Because if you don't acknowledge God as a giver of all good things, if you're so hardened in your heart that you don't want to submit your life to him, then inevitably when that person comes to earth, you want to get rid of him. You don't want him to challenge you in the way you live your life. And that is exactly what happened. The wicked tenants say, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. Now, is it surprising that God would be angry in this situation? Is it surprising that he would want justice? His anger and his justice are not a bad thing, are they? It would be worse if God said, oh well, never mind. The most surprising thing is that he's so patient, that he's prepared to put up with man's wickedness for so long. You would have thought he would say to himself, well, why don't I just obliterate Earth? I've got billions of other planets out there I created, or maybe I'll just um, start um, a new one out there, put some people on that one. But instead, even though people hate God, they reject him, they ignore him, he still loves them. He sends his people to offer them the message of forgiveness if they trust in Jesus Christ. It says in 2 Peter 3 this, God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But he won't put up with our disobedience forever. The day of the Lord will come, and on that day we are told he will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Now, giving the, uh, the vineyard to others is about giving those privileges of the kingdom we talked about before to those who put their trust in Jesus. Because on that day, it says here, the stone the builders rejected, Jesus Christ, the capstone, the cornerstone, the stone that holds the whole church together, without which we wouldn't be here, he is the one that will be the foundation of that kingdom. So how do we just bring this all together and wrap up as we finish this morning? The message I'd like you to, to take away as we think of harvest and celebrate it is that God has given us an amazing world to enjoy. But we do have a choice. We can take everything he's given and decide that um, we're just going to enjoy it for ourselves and we're going to reject the one who gave it to us. We're going to reject the gift of Jesus who came to make it possible for us to know God, the Father himself. And if we go that route, then just remember that although God is patient, he wants everyone to come to repentance, that won't be forever. And if we do reject him, he will reject us on the day of judgment. Or we can choose the much better option, which is to enjoy all that God has given us, 
but even better to enjoy a relationship with the one who gave it to us, to use what he's given us for his glory, to serve him. Being confident that that relationship that we have with our loving Heavenly Father will never end. It's a relationship that will last for all eternity. I hope you made that choice, if you haven't already, because it's a life that is definitely worth living, the best life that you can have. We're going to sing our final hymn and um, praise God for his, his amazing works, not least the sending of his Son, Jesus Christ, to earth. Um, if somebody can go and get a preschool, is after we've sung, they're going to come and show us what they've been doing. And um, then we will have some, some lunch together, and I'll tell you about that in a short while. But let's stand first of all to sing our final hymn. O oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hand hath made.